Welcome back to another episode of the Web3 show. As usual, I'm Luca, the frontman of the show, and it's my privilege every week to bring to you the wizards of Web3, uh, Q, Galactic Q, Red Pulls in hand, got his, uh, his approval to move from South Africa recently, so he's becoming a European citizen soon. Uh, very excited for that, joining joining myself and uh, Luca abroad. And, um, of course, your guy in TradFi, who has requested a name change and is now referring to himself as LST, after uh, UST, Terra's stablecoin. <laughs> um, also known heard, as uh, Mr. Uh, Cactus Juice. I, I, heard, I heard our, our guy, LST, deposited a million dollars into the contract, betting on Luna's floor price at $88. <laughs> on a yeah, serious he, note, there's now $22 million in that, in that wallet. Oh, my gosh. I love, how, I love how the – I can't remember the guy's name now. What was the guy's name that, that created the contract? How he said he's going to rug it. <laughs> Kobe, yes. <laughs> I said it's going to rug if it grows anymore. <laughs> yeah, but it's Wait, interesting, right? I mean – Quickly explain to myself and everyone else who doesn't know what you guys are talking about. So, so basically – Okay, so basically Kobe betted to Quan a million dollars that the lunar price will dump um, and a year from now will be lower than $88. I saw this actually. Kobe, it it wasn't Kobe. Kobe's the guy with the uh, wallet. It was uh, some some guy called Algod Trading. Algod Trading. Some random, basically a a permanent bear um, betted to Quan. Uh, I think the the price they bet on one year from now is eighty eight dollars, uh, and no. they they put out, they put up a million USDT each, um, and then along comes um, I forget the guy's name GCF or something equivalent. Uh, he he wants uh, wanted to bet twenty million dollars and Duquan put down twenty million dollars. I think the price on that bet was ninety two dollars on Luna, um, one year from now. So uh, <laughs> Duquan is uh, very confident. Wild, it's wild stuff. I just love how crypto, everyone, crypto is great. Sending, I think the best part of it all though is everyone's sending their shit coins and they they dumped NFTs to the contract as well. <laughs> really? <laughs> these, these floor price zero worthless NFTs added to the contract. I guess gas fees are so low right now. I've seen quite a few tweets floating around saying clean up your wallets. Uh, deposit your NFTs to burn addresses to claim the tax loss. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, people will be getting a great tax loss on Pixelmons, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <much>. um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, oh, boys, yeah. let's, let's get into the show. We've got an action-packed show. We've got a lot to cover. Um, first of all, the market update. Q, give us your breakdown. Um, when we will dive into the crypto executive order that Biden signed, basically we saw Bitcoin have a huge pump up to 42 and then essentially dump back down to the same level a day later. And it's been range bound ever since. Give us your breakdown of what's happening in the market um, and what can we what what we can expect going forward. Yeah, so I mean, things are pretty much uh, the same as last week. So I won't keep make this market watch up too too long. But basically, we're still in that bearish continuation pattern with the price target of the low 30s. Um, so my bias here is that we're going to kind of range in this in this zone between 
36K and 45K, um, with 42K to 38K being the micro range. Um, but what we're seeing mainly is a lot of well action. So a ton of Bart Simpson manipulation patterns. And for those that don't know what that is, it's literally take Bart Simpson's head, straight pump, sideways consolidation, straight down, back down to the open price of the previous pump. And basically, this is kind of a signal of whale manipulation in a market where they create a massive volume spike correlated with a big green candle, which brings retail into FOMO. And then they dump the price and basically liquidate long positions that have now opened in the market and kind of take advantage of the funding rates as well as take tokens from people who get liquidated. So there's a lot of um, interesting manipulation techniques taking place in the market. But in my opinion, it's just a lot of noise. Um, there was obviously a slight positive reaction to the executive order, hinting at some positivity coming out of the Biden administration regarding crypto regulation and researching the ecosystem. Um, there was obviously also the news yesterday of the EU who were looking to scale in strict regulation on proof of work crypto uh, projects, but ultimately voted against it. So we did see a little push up to the 39K region. Um, but ultimately, I think we will continue this range bound kind of sideways consolidation um, for a couple of weeks. I, I don't see us making seeing any fireworks anytime soon. Uh, we've obviously got the Fed meeting tomorrow with the interest rate hikes and, you know, the market is largely priced in a 25 basis point rise. I think if we see anything above that, we'll likely dump down to those low 30K regions. Um, but if we see anything less than that, we could likely see a strong Bitcoin move back to 42K, possibly even that 44, 45K level, where we'll test that major resistance as well as our bull market resistance band, which is the 21 week EMA and 20 week SMA. So right now things are looking a bit rocky. In my opinion, it's a no trade zone, but a very good DCA zone. Uh, Bitcoin is kind of sitting in limbo, so it's very difficult to open altcoin trades when there's so much well action and well manipulation taking place. So basically proceed with caution, kind of take the market with a pinch of salt, look to DCA and really accumulate your Bitcoin and Ethereum positions because the risk to reward long-term on both of those currencies is favorable to the long end. Um, so right now, you know, short-term, I am pretty bearish, expecting a short-term upwards price move if we get positive news from the Fed interest rate hike. Um, but ultimately still expecting another downward leg, considering we are in a bearish continuation pattern. John's quick question. You mentioned interest rates there. Um, what sort of catalysts are you looking for in the market going forward, whether it's interest rates, um, you know, a word from Jerome Powell? What, what's, what are you sort of looking for in the next short, medium, long term? Well, ultimately, I'm hoping for, you know, interest rate hikes to not be too aggressive. Um, you know, considering how fragile the, the macroeconomic uh, situation is, you know, with all the sanctions, the war, um, inflation running rampant, all these things, we are, you know, we're down 25% on the NASDAQ, we're down 15% on uh, the S&P, which basically, you know, a 20% move down for traditional stocks signals a bear market um, and, you know, borderline recession. So we are leading into a very dangerous area when it comes to traditional markets. And, you know, what just a, a point on that, what's been very interesting is with stock markets continuing to make lower highs um, and lower lows, 
we're seeing Bitcoin actually put in a higher low and maintain critical levels in these high 30 to mid 30k zones. So Bitcoin is outperforming the car, uh, the stock markets and it is decorrelating from them as well. Um, but for me, the major catalyst that I'm kind of focusing on right now is the interest rate talk tomorrow. Um, I'm hoping for 25 basis point interest rate hike or less. Anything more than that will likely send the global economy into a major recession and we will see really strong downwards action um, in Bitcoin price. We could probably even see the mid to low 20Ks again if we get a 30 to 40 basis point rise in the interest rates. And yeah, I mean, that's that's a great, great market update. Um, and we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on more sort of market macro points as we move into the crypto executive order. Uh, but let's dive into it, boys. Um, last week, uh, as I'm sure most people know by now, Biden uh, and his administration signed through a landmark crypto executive order, essentially um, mobilizing basically every single agency in the U.S. government to, on the shorthand, research what crypto is, find out what they can do with it, what value does it add um, to the world and how can the U.S. government regulate it and use it to basically stimulate economic growth and, uh, you know, protect customers, um, consumers, protect uh, financial stability and America's place in, in the global economy. So I want to get your boys, uh, your, your guys' uh, reactions, um, maybe bring in LST slash your guy in TradFi. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on the crypto executive order as a whole? Um, bullish or bearish? What certain points stuck out to you? Um, and yeah, just general reactions. I think broadly, um, the regulatory uh, standpoint has kind of changed in a, in a positive sense, I think. Um, I mean, Quinnett, you mentioned briefly the vote in the European Union. I think generally regulators are recognizing that this technology is essential, that they need to act uh, in a prudent manner to ensure that they're a part of kind of this next iteration uh, of the Internet economy. Um, so overall, I think, you know, people were almost expecting the worst. I think months of negative price action have created a really toxic environment on major platforms like Twitter. Um, so really seeing sensible regulation and kind of re research first, uh, enact later, um, I think overall this is a good I mean, it was interesting also seeing that a lot of people in crypto sort of said, okay, you know, because nothing, you know, no aggressive regulation was put out there straight away, essentially the Biden administration said, okay, we're not doing anything straight away. We're being measured in our approach. We're going to learn. That was a good thing. But then you had some other people like Eric Fuhis sort of say, well, this is a nothing burger essentially. And it's just the same old, um, you know, lazy government saying they're looking into the stuff which they've been looking into for years. So interesting to get your take on that Q. Obviously it's a good, it's a great thing from the perspective of the market where, you know, Gary Gensler didn't come out and say we're banning all crypto or Bitcoin miners in the US or essentially, you know, regulating the whole out of crypto, but also just from the other side of the coin, is it sort of a nothing burger, just the US trying to virtue signal to the market? 
Well, you know, I think what we're largely seeing here is a financial arms race. You know, we, we've seen Dubai announce that they're looking to implement cryptocurrency fully and become the leading cryptocurrency capital in the world. You know, we've seen various countries adopt crypto, well, Bitcoin largely, as legal tender. And, you know, the U.S. is falling behind. Um, you know, just today it was announced that Saudi Arabia is considering accepting the yen um, instead of dollars for oil sales. And I think what's what's starting to become evident is that the dollar, the inflation for the dollar is ramp, running rampant. The dollar is weakening um, on a on a small scale currently, but will likely increase unless strict economic action takes place. And you know, even on that front, we're seeing U.S. senators states their appreciation for Bitcoin and we're starting to see a lot of people start opening up to the possibilities of Bitcoin and crypto as a whole. So was it Austin, Johns? Was it yes, Austin, Austin, Texas? They yes, they what yes. they're accepting Bitcoin now, right? Yeah, they're accepting Bitcoin. Um so I think I think what's kind of interesting to see here is that there isn't actually a position to ignore it anymore because competitors or competitor economies will just adopt it and basically take charge. I mean, we look, we can look at what the, the adoption of Bitcoin did for the GDP in El Salvador. We can look at what adoption of Axie Infinity did for GDP of the Philippines. We can look at the benefits that this new infrastructure, this new financial censorship resistant money is doing for various economies. And it would make sense that the US approaches it with a crypto friendly sense, whether their research and all of that comes out with a negative outlook, you know, by considering it in a, in a crypto-friendly manner is already putting them a step ahead of many other competitors out there. But I do think that crypto could be, or Bitcoin at least, maybe not crypto as a whole, but definitely Bitcoin, could be a strong, you know, asset to be used to help support the dollar or regain, you know, the dollar supremacy, which has largely been lost due to inflation and various other economic issues out there. Well, is it going to be Bitcoin or is it going to be a US CBDC, which they, which they basically, I'll read quote for quote, it said explore, part of the executive order, one of the, the last point was explore a US central bank digital currency CBDC by placing urgency on research and development of a potential United States CBDC. So, a question that I've sort of been grappling with, especially with everything in Russia going on with Russia and Ukraine and sort of the the flack that crypto has been getting or Bitcoin that has been getting, you know, as being used as a medium for Russian oligarchs to hide their wealth in and for Russians to essentially um, circumvent U.S. sanctions is is that going to be is the impetus going to be on adopting Bitcoin, fostering innovation or to be like, not a Debbie Downer, but sort of just a, a sort of a devil's advocate here. Is this a bit more sinister focusing on the CBDC aspect of this executive order? Because also to put it into context, I was listening to a lot of reactions over the past week about this executive order. The bankless guys had about 10 minutes on their Friday roll up, roll up um, podcast last week where they literally celebrated it they said there was nothing wrong it was great which i agree i agree from a sense where they're coming from but reading between the lines how 
even Tom Emmer, a, uh, a well-renowned crypto advocate, uh, he's a congressman from Minnesota, he also mentioned decentralization is not mentioned once in the executive order. And there's this placing urgency on CBDCs. So to get into that, do you, do you think there's a danger there or maybe not danger, it's just an, an inevitability? Well, I mean, it makes it makes sense that governments would want to explore that first because, you know, the concept of Bitcoin is scary. You know, they can't really censor Bitcoin. So, of course, the CBDC will be, you know, on a priority list for most governments. Um, but ultimately, CBDCs will carry the same flaws as current fiat systems. So I think ultimately they will fail. Um, so it's eventually inevitably going to be the failsafe of Bitcoin. And maybe just to add on to that, I mean, we already have centralized digital money. Um, if we just look at the Russia crisis, I mean, how much in dollar reserves was frozen by the U.S. government? I think you've got this differentiation between uh, maybe sovereign settlement and kind of retail uh, retail payments, transfers, etc. I mean, after the whole Canada crisis, it's it's unlikely, I think, that a retail CBDC is feasible in the West. If you just look at the European Union as well with all their data privacy laws, it's hard to imagine that regulators um, and lobby groups would pass uh, some sort of measure to enable kind of the rollout of a CBDC where you could track everyone's payments, right, from, from a government uh, computer. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it, it's a difficult discussion. Uh, I think retail CBDC, unlikely digital money, we already have that. Um, I mean, the problem, right, is that the reserve status is threatened and developing nations will, will have to turn to alternative reserves or, or risk ending up in a situation like Russia. Luca, what do you mean exactly by centralized or dig centralized digital money that we already have? Kindly just elaborate on that. So Russia had accumulated a very large amount of dollar reserves, is my understanding. And those dollar reserves are basically entries on a ledger um, at, probably at the Federal Reserve, um, and those funds were frozen. So Russia lost access to its um, its dollar reserves overnight, basically. Um, so, you know, to, to what extent you, you can see in this example that, you know, the U.S. already has control of the dollar, right? Like you've got some freedom, freedom in the retail sense because cash is not monitored. Uh, the erosion of that freedom will be will be different. And CBDCs, if anything, increases that power over dollars, increases the surveillance, the transparency, um, which is, in my eyes, quite a scary, a scary prospect. But also maybe something that isn't is inevitable when you have a an actor like government and an all all seeing, all knowing, godlike yeah. economic actor. I guess maybe. Maybe just to add on to that, so money is digital. I think uh, Russia also had a large amount of gold reserves. Uh, I think they were sitting in the UK. The UK moved to freeze those. Uh, the value proposition of Bitcoin really has become clear. Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy thing um, just seeing everything that's going on. And it's, it's hard to sort of extrapolate out. Um, if you guys were policymakers, 
and I know you guys, I know John uh, loathes politicians <laughs> or is not, <laughs> not, uh, not too turned on by them. But if you guys were policymakers sitting in... I think you? criminals and politicians are as bad as each other. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, you have your one-liners. So you can't, you just, some of them, you just can't say anything to them. <laughs> that outrageous, John. But if we had to do what governments do on a daily basis, we'd be trial for treason. So <laughs> I think that's well. Look, it's it's uh, true to an extent. But humor me for a, se- a second. If you guys were sitting in office right now or, you know, you, you were maybe even Biden himself, what would you do? And, and assuming you know how important crypto is to essentially win the financial arms race uh, that you that you brilliantly coined, Q, what would you do? What would you actually do to foster innovation? And I know it's a bit of an apt, abstract question, but... Uh, what would you guys do? Well, I think the obvious the obvious route will be adopt Bitcoin as a legal tender, um, but obviously define regulatory points around it. You know, it, it shouldn't be a, a it, you know it can be viewed as a free currency, but you know I think tax implications should be implemented. Um, I think there was an announcement about I can't remember her name, but also another politician stating that moving forward, Bitcoin transactions under six hundred dollars are non taxable. Um, you know, Cynthia Loomis. Yes, Cynthia. Um, basically, you know, saying if you go and buy your groceries. John, so you're on a first name coin, basis. Cynthia. Yeah. <laughs> we, we jumped on, <laughs> we jumped on calling another night together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so, so there, there's various, there's various ways to approach it, but I think ultimately the base level of adopting Bitcoin a censorship money that allows people economic freedom, you know, and doesn't tap people out of the market will ultimately be a huge benefit to to that country's economy. And we've seen that over and over again with other countries adopting Bitcoin or allowing Bitcoin as um, not necessarily only legal tender, but also allowing it as a medium of payment. So I think, you know, allowing people through law to transact, pay taxes, use Bitcoin for all these aspects will ultimately not only improve GDP, but also improve the status of citizens. You know, to allow people in financially stringent positions who don't have access to the traditional banking sectors because they're largely priced out of these sectors or people who can't get loans and things like that. You know, crypto opens up so many doors. Um, you know, it, it, it basically, the saying goes, it aims to bank the bankless. And... I think that's largely true and ultimately adopting Bitcoin as legal tender and, and making it a thing that people could use it to buy things and pay for things and do things, I think will ultimately just benefit society as well as the global economy and act as a hedge against all the shit that the Fed has caused with the dollar. And I mean, yeah, like maybe your less less aggressive approach is to take, you know, Senator Lummis's, uh sort of angle by relaxing tax capital gains on it and, and making it more investor friendly, I guess. But yeah, some good points. Luca, uh, any other, any other points, any other angles you would take as, uh, being your guy in TradFi and knowing this, knowing this, uh, industry, like, like the back of your hand. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say, um, that we should let private markets do their thing. 
um, clear regulation is important. I think regulators are moving in the right direction. I think uh, crypto is too big to fail at this point. The largest actors in the space are funding lobby groups which are influencing politicians. We're going to get there. I think we are on the right track, particularly, again, highlighting the thing in the EU. You know, it's, it's these sort of moments where you really get a sense that the urgency of the discussion and the consequence of poor decision-making in this context is uh, really outsized. So I'm confident, actually, uh, <laughs> in, in contrast to Q, that I, I think we're, we're on the right track, to be honest. Being in being in South Africa for, on holiday for the last two weeks has, has made you uh, made you a bit more optimistic, hey Luca. <laughs> yeah, up upped your spirits. Absolutely, lifted your spirits. Absolutely. Yeah. Or was it the cactus juice? <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you spoke about a moment there, and I, I guess uh, transitioning, we've we've probably said all we all we could on the crypto executive order. Um, neither a good or a bad thing at this stage, um, but we it's definitely a positive thing for, for crypto being too big to fail. We had another moment in NFTs, and we're going to talk about Luca's favorite topic right now. Uh, I'm going to bring in the metaverse right at the end of this. But essentially, uh, Yuga Labs, the creator of uh, the popular non-fungible token NFT project, Board Ape Yacht Club, just acquired last Friday the rights to MeBits and CryptoPunks who were from Lava Labs, the creators of those two projects. Now, when I saw this on Saturday, this was like this blew me away. I didn't, I didn't think we were close to this. Um, having a, a, a tangible consolidation in the NFT market right now, but maybe with everything, the market being down and maybe Q, you can speak more to this about the current state of the markets and why, why this happened. But it blew me away and I just didn't see it coming at all. But basically just before I bring in the wizards, uh, just to break down the acquisition, essentially the key, the key part is that uh, Yuga Labs acquired the IP rights and brand to those CryptoPunks and uh, MeBits intellectual property, essentially. Obviously the NFTs are owned by, by the participants in the project and there were select few NFTs, uh, actual NFTs, that um, Lava Labs held on to. But essentially, this now gave Yuga Labs the control over the, the IP. Uh, and the first thing they did was give the commercial rights to that IP to their users, to the CryptoPunks and MeBits users, which Lava Labs had controversially not done over, over the past year or so. And, and the community was getting, to be frank, fed up with them. Uh, we're looking at what, how... What, uh, how um, you know, board ape holders were creating businesses, creating record labels around their board apes, and creating actual brands around their NFTs, which is, which, which in my eyes is the is the real value proposition of of uh, Web three and uh, brings to the fore the the concept of composability, interoperability. So, boys, let's get your reactions. Um, Q, maybe you can speak to how how like where this acquisition sat in the NFT market, obviously, uh, you know, floor prices are down, volumes are down. Um, what are your reactions? What are your th initial thoughts when you, when you saw the news? Well, I mean, I think we saw a spike in the board floor from 70 ETH to, I think, just sub 100 ETH now, um, which is quite a drastic rise 
uh, for a small price. Um, but and CryptoPunks yeah. on Saturday, John's CryptoPunks uh, NFT sales were up 1,200% on Saturday after the news broke. I mean, like, you know, this, this whole thing of IP and stuff, you know, talks to the true realization of metaverse, which is, you know, NFTs have their value realization through the metaverse. And, you know, I think by owning IP rights to your NFT or your brand or, you know, all these aspects allows so much room for growth of an ecosystem. Um, so I'm largely like very bullish on this acquisition. Um, I mean, you can already see how Board Apes has flourished and the media attention and, you know, all these things that it's captured purely because users have had the freedom to use their NFTs without worry of, of stealing IP rights and things like that. So you've seen incredible merch, you've seen massive parties, you've seen all these various like events and things like that be hosted under the Board Ape name. Um, which has led to the mass exposure of the Board Ape Yacht Club and ultimately the Mutant Ape Yacht Club as well. Um, so I think th I'm largely bullish on this acquisition. I mean, the, the NFT market as a whole uh, is in a bear market. I think we've seen OpenSea trading volume decline by over 90% um, over the past couple of weeks. We are going through a bear market in that area. Um, and unfortunate to say, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, the number of rug pull NFT projects has drastically risen um, in contrast to the decreasing volume. So, you know, there, there, there's a lot of flaws in the NFT space at the moment. And this is largely why I don't think there was a mass market reaction to this acquisition, rather a micro market reaction within the uh, border Yacht Club community as well as the punk community. Um, so yeah, I think I think NFTs and metaverse still has some downtrend ahead of it. Um, obviously, if we go into a bullish uptick in the market, we'll see a very strong move with with GameFi and metaverse. But ultimately, I think people are tired. You know, there's there's been so many flaws and so many issues and so many rug pulls and things like that in 99% of the NFT space that it's just these very 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 niche blue chips that are actually surviving. This period, I mean, largely before this news, we saw the board eight floor drop from 120 ETH to 70 ETH, which is a drastic decline. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I'm bullish on the acquisition, um, but I still uh, caution those who are looking to trade NFTs. If you're not trading the blue chips, you know, rather don't trade the market. And that's uh, similar to how you were saying, you know, stick to BTC and ETH right now. Um in the in the situation we're in luca to bring you in being the the all-knowing guy in tradfi um sorry i don't know why i'm hopping that hopping on that this episode um <laughs> uh, they I heard, you can draw I parallels to, to sorry i just i just i heard i heard single-handedly red pulled wall street into nfts and, and metaverse it's true uh, I sunk this uh, double edge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Listen, it wasn't me. So it was. Uh, it could only be your guy in tradfi. Um, did you did you become an LP in um, that new that new fund that's only investing in NFTs? Did you guys hear about that? Quick tangent. I actually didn't. They, no. They're called um, curated, and obviously Andreessen has invested in them. Um, it sounds pretty cool. They're going to invest in in. NFT projects that they plan to hold for five to ten years, and basically get 
wider market exposure to NFTs through the fund? You know, th- this this was actually quite an interesting niche that started to develop before NFTs went into a bear market. And it was this whole narrative of fractionalizing blue chip NFT ownership. Um, but, you know, the one thing that concerns me at the end of the day is, you know, fractionalizing things like punks and eights and things like that, you can divide value. Um, but it's incredibly risky because, you know, these, these NFTs are only as liquid as someone is willing to buy. So, I mean, you know, you can have a floor price of 70 ETH, but you could see no sales at that level for months. Um, you know, what would, what makes sense to me is fractionalizing NFTs that produce yield. Um, for example, like Genesis Kongs, where you're earning 10 banana tokens a day and bar banana tokens have taken a huge hit. And it's largely, in my opinion, you know, probably the worst thing you could ever buy. You know, but if you're earning these tokens for free, at least your NFTs are generating some form of passive income to mitigate your risk. So there were a lot of flaws inherently produced with fractionalizing NFTs prior to this bear trend. Um, so it's very interesting to see funds developing around this whole narrative of yeah. fractionalizing of them. Maybe yeah, just they... to add one thing. Totally. Yeah, to go no, go for it. Okay, yeah. No, um, I just wanted to add one thing. I think just circling back to the uh, acquisition quickly, um, you know, I think if we just extrapolate out, I saw a tweet the other day um, about the Ape token, which is obviously still coming. Um, and something clicked for me, which is like, you know, of course, NFT projects that release tokens generally have the problem that the utility of these tokens is limited to the products that the NFT project produces rather than kind of broad-based utility that general crypto assets provide, right? And you've got this liquidity issue. Um, you know, the, the token generally is not as liquid as other um, non-NFT-based uh, tokens. And so you, you've, you've just got these second-order effects. So the, the point I'm trying to make is be, as they've given... CryptoPunks, um, the copyright, basically these CryptoPunk holders, um, if I'm understanding this correctly, could actually go out now and start coffee companies in a similar way to how Bored Ape holders launched their own companies. I'm pretty sure there's a coffee company. I can't remember the exact uh, Bored Ape. Um, but you could see kind of a play happening where Yuga Labs develops payment rails for the app token, where effectively these businesses which are built on um, open IP effectively um, integrate the app token and in that way basically extend kind of um, ex- extend the time to bottom basically for this app token when it launches. I mean, this could fund Yuga Labs for a decade, maybe even. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see. I, I just find it incredibly interesting thinking about the APE token basically becoming a utility token that is actually utilized by the businesses founded by holders of CryptoPunks. And- Luca, I'm so glad you actually bro- uh, brought this up. We can, we, let's actually dive into this because literally I, I saw some breaking news today um, talking about the APE token because uh, I think Yuga Labs' results, they actually published uh, their results for 2021 today or, or over the weekend, or I, I can't remember exactly. Essentially, they made $127 million in net revenue last year. Um, they project that that will reach $455 million in 2022, right? And that 
someone did some back of the back of the napkin math on Twitter. Essentially, they said um, if you apply 10x price to sales on 2023 revenue, um, you could you could give because I think they have a current valuation of about three billion dollars based on their last funding round. They could have about a 30 billion dollar market cap if it were to IPO right now. And speaking about the utility they give to their holders, you're creating, first of all, they could be a, a massive company already, right? But second of all, you're creating, I would think, such big network effects because you're effectively giving entrepreneurs and people, you're tying people into an ecosystem where they acquire an asset that has such utility that they can build on top of that a brand, a cash-generating business. And then what, what you said is so fascinating, lock them into a payment network that works seamlessly with crypto participants who use the ApeCoin and essentially within a payment network between Yuga Labs and other businesses on that network. So I don't know. And you think like, because I was going to draw the comparison to, you know, whether Yuga Labs is going to become essentially the Disney of Web3 with with countless IP under their under their ranks and, you know, drawing parallels to this acquisition being, you know, like PayPal merging with X.com, Elon's, uh, you know, first um, iteration of the business that eventually became PayPal. You know, you can think of LVMH acquiring um, or Louis Vuitton, sorry, uh, Bernard Arnott acquiring Louis Vuitton and Moet, Moet Hennessy to create LVMH, like Facebook acquiring Instagram, a massive watershed moment and some people have said this on twitter as well like they they now think you know yuga is going to be the the king of nfts and essentially they could just become a monster um and yeah it's i I think it's it's a scary proposition and i didn't think we would see this amount of consolidation already in the nft market was essentially like a landmark sort of acquisition like that like this it also ties into, John, so I want to bring you in here, talking about Metaverse. Um, the uh, Board Apes or Yuga also, are also developing their own play-to-earn game. Um, so that brings in another, another element. I don't know if you've – have you heard about it? Yeah. I, mean, anything? Well, I, just want to, I just want to point out that this is kind of bringing to light the whole narrative of community governance. When you give someone true ownership over what they own, you know, the, the opportunity is endless. And there we have, you know, like Steiner said, guys branching out and creating coffee companies and things like that, all based on their board apps, you know, using the brand as, you know, a company direction. And, you know, now you've got the potential looming token coming out that, you know, can become the payment mechanism for this ecosystem. You've got the board ape game coming out. You've got their metaverse plots. You've got all these aspects building out this whole ecosystem, which at the end of the day is community owned. And that is the true narrative that I think Web3 is trying to define and move towards. Bar, we are still very early on, as we know, um, but I think this is huge and a step in the right direction. And I just wish that the rest of the 99% of shitcoin NFT projects out there would just disappear because they kind of shade this ability or capability of the technology you know at the end of the day nfts are rather flawed at the moment but the technology is fundamentally beautiful and i think yuga labs are 
really pioneering the charge in true community governance application for NFTs, you know, and creating a financial community around, you know, JPEG. And John's just to emphasize that point, uh, threadguy.eth on Twitter made such a great post about an hour ago. He said, uh, the NFT community is bearish on Yuga Labs attempting to raise $200 million uh, from their land parcel sales in their upcoming metaverse, but gave Pixelmon $69 million and pumped the project. <laughs> I mean, it's so true, right? Fair it's, enough. I mean, it's, it's, so, it's it so says true. it all. It's, it says it all. But I mean, guys, we, we know if you, if you look at 2017 bull run, how many altcoin projects from that era are still around today? only a handful. And I think the next couple of years, you know, while we move through these market cycles of bullish and bearishness, you know, we're going to see hundreds, if not thousands of these NFT projects that have failed roadmaps and, you know, broken promises and inexperienced teams will just fall away and kind of disappear out the market. And we'll start seeing these pioneering blue chip NFT projects really take shape and really expand on the technology. And I think it's going to be quite an exciting journey as we watch this all unfold. I agree. We, we can't underestimate the, the power of these network effects that Yuga Labs is currently building in. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued. I want to, you know, it, 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 it's so enticing that the brand and the pool that they have now under their own roof that, you know, I'm sitting here. I want to look at their land parcels. I want to look at their, their land in the metaverse. I want to get involved in their P2E game. Um, it's going to bring people in from the outside and create an extremely sticky ecosystem on the inside. Um, and I know Luca Luca's favorite thing in the world is metaverse land <laughs> currently. Uh, and I guess to take a, to take the you know maybe a devil's advocate point is 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 it just is it just a vanilla vanilla approach at the moment you know selling land i don't know luca if you have a have an opinion on that because that's essentially what they're doing they want to have a they have a grand metaverse plan that's going to involve selling selling land which obviously we know can be built on infinitely but is that is that a is that well, a bad thing currently is that <clears throat> bearish well i think um again you're kind of you're paying up front for something where you know the utility might change the nft might change um, I think it's a way for Yuga Labs to basically raise money without giving up any equity. Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure uh, what, what the thinking behind it is. I haven't really looked too closely into the whole uh, game coming out. Um, but I am very skeptic um, of Metaverse Land in general and think broadly, time and time again, it's just turned out to be a cash grab. Um, I will say that I think... Yuga have made clear that they want to be around in five years' time. I think no one can argue that crypto punks uh, are they, they are going to last. Basically, they I mean they mark basically the origin story of NFTs uh, at least popularized. Um, so I, I think I think I think it was uh, yeah a, a good move. And I mean yeah maybe one should look. <laughs> maybe one should look at, on their on their land uh, parcels more favorably than than for other projects um but yeah i'm, I'm... so is it fair to say that uh sp uh, snowy peak won't be uh won't be aping into yuga's land sale la uh, metaverse land 
<laughs> Listen, we, we might develop a, a subdivision called Snowy Tits and fractionize some NFTs. <laughs> Sorry, say again. Snow, snowy what? We might develop a Snowy Tits. <laughs> oh, God. I, no, I don't, look, I don't, I, think... I don't want to, I don't want to know. Luca, what's the point? Do you, can you tell me conclusively in like a few sentences, really what the point is behind this land? What's the point of uh, a plot in Manhattan on the island of Manhattan? That's what I have to say. Yeah, but I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's a fair comparison because because this is this is kind of like uh buying a chair uh at a table inside the facebook offices no look and that that's why i actually re- i said that as a joke the manhattan comparison because and that's why i brought it up is we don't actually know what is going to be the point right i think that's that's inherently the the whole concept at the moment and and the whole future outlook of it no one knew what the point was going to be of the internet uh in in the 90s we people thought it was going to be a fad it was going to be gone uh in a, in a couple of years so i think we're still to discover that point but well, actually yeah you know i think i think we can approach this the way you would approach any ecosystem like when you invest in, for example, the Ethereum ecosystem, your biggest holding should be the underlying asset Ethereum. When you invest in the Phantom ecosystem, your biggest asset should be the underlying, you know, network, which is the Phantom token. So I think, you know, if you go and invest in Yuga Labs Metaverse land, you're setting yourself up for unnecessary risk because as you guys have both pointed out, what's the point of the land? You know, it's value you could dump because, you know, at the end of the day, a project is only as good as the team. Um, because the team at the end of the day is the ones that have to execute, you know, their, their roadmap, their promise. So I think at the end of the day, the safest way to approach this is not own the metaverse land, not even bother with it, but actually own the underlying ecosystem asset, which is the actual NFT. Um, I think that's a brilliant point, Johns. Maybe, maybe just to add on that, onto that briefly. Point. I mean, what happened with Solidex and Solidly on Phantom with Andre Cronier? Right. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like... I mean, Andre Cronier, yeah. <laughs> through and through. I mean, you know, the Phantom Phantom ecosystem took a hit because the developer, I mean, bar very reputable, amazing, incredible influence on the space. Andre Cronier decided to step away from DeFi, you know, and ultimately, you know, there was a miscommunication about terminating the project when he's actually just handing over the keys to other developers. Um, yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, the safest asset to hold throughout this debacle again, was the phantom token. Absolutely. You've got these different layers of risk, like at least the board ape NFT, you know, it's not dependent on future utility. I think that's super important, right? Like it's, it's its own thing, just like a crypto punk is its own thing. Like when you're buying metaverse land, you're really, you're really dependent on roadmap. Sure. No, that that makes that makes complete sense, and I, I think that that's impetus for people to you know err on the side of caution. Um, but obviously, what gives people more confidence, I think, in Yuga is that they're taking a measured approach. They're not rushing to market. They've partnered with Animoca Brands, who have de- delivered uh, a few games already and and are sort of proven in the space, semi-proven. Um, and I think just the whole, like Luca, you said, they've made the intention that they want to be around for for a while gives people more confidence. Um, 
But I guess there are still questions looming. And just to close it out, you know, someone posted on Twitter, Yuga Labs raising from VCs and, ch- and charging the community for NFTs just shows that we, the community, are the customer. And I don't know how like accurate you can, you can say this is. It reminds me so much of Web2. Very bearish, in my opinion. That's what someone had to say. And I don't want to end, end it on a downer note, but I think going forward, we know the Bored Ape NFT has proved its utility, has, has fostered its brand, has taken the market by storm. But like you say, Luca, can they deliver on the roadmap? And with the amount of money they're raising from the land sales from VCs, you know, do they do they actually stick to the Web3 ethos and not fall into the old habits of uh, Web2 companies a la Facebook and uh, a bunch of other tech companies? Any closing comments on uh, on Yuga, so Bored Apes, CryptoPunks? I think the, the real question to be asked is, are we going to be pirates of Web3 or should we or load up in some apps and become the apps. Oh, I was, I was just going to actually, I was going to ask Luca um, to give us an update on chest finance. Yeah. So, um, so they seem to be taking their time. Um, <laughs> they've take, taken the snapshot, uh, but it looks like you need the NFT to claim, uh, to, to end up claiming the token. So unfortunately, well, or fortunately, uh, the floor, the floor uh, I, I guess, unfortunately for us and fortunately for the bag holders, uh, the floor has not collapsed yet. Uh, I am expecting <laughs> it to, I am expecting it to basically go to zero, um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll we'll take it from there. I mean, basically, bag bag holders rebranding. of DeFi, <laughs> bag holders of DeFi pirates, we're, yes. we're coming for you. We're, we're coming for you. The Web three show is coming coming to raid coming to raid your bag. Uh, pun we'll, intended. We'll be your exit liquidity. We're coming in. We'll yeah, we, we will. Yes, we will. exactly. <laughs> we will. Exactly. I mean, and and also, guys. I mean, we. It's also great to see so many people subscribing to the show. Uh, thank you very much. You know, to everyone who has over the past few weeks. But I don't think we're at that stage where like people are weighing in yet and actually want to see us as a certain entity, whether that's a wizard or a pirate or whatever. So I think uh, unless we have any any other latecomers um and i don't think we can all afford apes at the moment um unless snow peaks <laughs> done snow peaks done really well maybe we should just Listen, uh, boys we're making moves we're making moves we're making moves <laughs> <laughs> maybe we crowdfund and buy like the cheapest ape we can find and then we that ape is like the the you know the front of the show but, essentially but Luca, do we do we have a crowd crowdfund from <laughs> us three guys, um, guys, the web three show the web three show nft fund let's go <laughs> yeah jaunty jaunty's brother george is in the audience he's keen as well just to give us some debt but no i think i think d5 pirates will be cool i was thinking actually how cool uh the uh, pirates sailing the seas of web three sounds quite like that and uh, Q, Q's, an, it, Q's an eternal Solana bull as well. So I think it'll be good. Listen, I've got it on my cold storage. That says one thing. <laughs> All right, boys. Thanks for another another great episode. Uh, really, really appreciate those who've been in the room. Uh, as always, Michael, part of the furniture, uh, and everyone else who, who popped in. Uh, George of the Jungle making a late appearance. Um, 
yeah, we we hope uh, hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you all for episode nineteen, uh, nearly at that twenty mark. Um, yeah, it's uh, been a been a privilege to bring you the Wizards of Web three, and uh, we will see you all next week. <laughs>